All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. I'm Ben. And I'm John. And on this episode, we're going to be looking forward to our most anticipated films of 2023. We really don't know much about these movies. We're just going off of the hype, what we've seen in the in the news, trailers that have come out for some of them. So just a general what we're looking forward to in 2023 looking ahead. John, kick us off with some honorable mentions that don't make our top list. So like Ben said, we have some honorable mentions here. Some couple films that uh, I think I just wanted to shout out because we know they're coming, but we didn't quite make our top 10 here. So films like Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which I'm very excited for. It's kind of hard to put a movie on that's like the eighth in the franchise, although I'm very excited for it. I uh, couldn't couldn't sacrifice one of the top ten here. Um, I had to include The Little Mermaid. I think that movie's going to be huge. Maybe it might be the biggest in terms of box office uh, of 2023, if I had to take a guess. Uh, we also have Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which didn't make either of our lists. I'm Super big fan of James Gunn. I love that film uh, series in general, and I really can't wait to see that. Obviously, continuing the Avengers Ant-Man trilogy, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which looks insane. Uh, Look forward to that and see where it kind of goes, where the MCU continues forward. We have a random film, uh, I think Elizabeth Banks' first directed feature, if I'm not mistaken, Cocaine Bear. No, she's... She's directed a few before. Did was it Pitch Perfect think, 3 that she directed? No, I think she did all of the... Uh, she might have. I'm not sure. But uh, Cocaine Bear, upcoming film based on a true story all about a bear that got into cocaine and, and went on a killing spree. I don't, I don't think that part's included in the real story, but uh, I'm looking forward to that crazy movie. It doesn't really look real. It almost looks like an SNL sketch from the trailer, but uh, you know, whatever. I'll watch it. We also have Shazam! The Fury of the Gods which is the sequel to the original Shazam film in the dead DC extended universe. We also are getting the next goal wins by Taika Waititi. We love good Taika Waititi, even though after the last Thor was kind of a misfire for him. I'm excited to see kind of where he continues it. We also have the John Wick 4 continuing that series forward. I I mean... I like all John Wick films, but they just aren't... It's the fourth film. Like, I can't really be too excited for the fourth film in what probably should have only been a trilogy, if I'm being honest. Uh, We also have another MCU film, The Marvels, bringing all the Marvelous characters together. We have The Killer by David Fincher to be determined when that will come out. And same with Rebel Moon by Zack Snyder. We're still to be determined when that will be released. Uh, but both incredible, stylistic filmmakers. I can't wait to see what they bring in 2023. And then, of course, we cannot finish our you know, most anticipated films and honorable mentions without talking about the little Italian plumber, Mario, and the Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm actually very excited for that movie. I don't know about you, Yahoo! <laughs> Are you excited to see uh, Mario on the big screen? He needs oh, redemption. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see what this movie will look like, but I... Do not like the Chris Pratt uh, casting. I don't know. I the voice does not seem right to me. And then the quick trailer where he's just like, "Yahoo, let's <laughs> go," <laughs> and it's just like this is not Mario. I mean, 
to not fall down too much of the rabbit hole, I just do people really want to listen to like the real Mario voice? Just well, it's not about a real Mario an hour voice. And a half? It's about the right Mario voice. But like, do you really want to listen to that voice for like that long of an extended period of time? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, that's what I expected. That that's what I want. <laughs> And I was completely wrong about Elizabeth Banks. She's directed two films, if you don't include shorts or segments of a film, uh, which was Pitch Perfect 2 and 2019's Charlie's Angel. So, sorry, Miss Banks. I uh, mistakenly got that wrong, but I am excited for Cocaine Bear. That seems like a step in a very different yeah. direction, and it looks very funny. But I think it's time to move to our top 10 most anticipated films of 2023, and we're going to start in order Starting at number 10, and I'll have you jump off and tell me your 10th most anticipated film of the year, Ben. Yes, I'm going to put on my tights, jump off, and dive right into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So excited for that movie. Uh, The first one, Academy Award winning animated film. It's a gripping tale. The animation was crazy and insane. And even right now with the Puss in Boots movie, which is made by the same people. I don't know if it's the same directors, but it's same style animation. Like that's getting great reviews. So like, I can already tell like this movie is going to be great. It could, it's definitely going to be a contender for an Oscar again. So it'd be crazy if that won again as well. So I'm very excited for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. My 10th most anticipated film of 2023 is Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. So it's a little kind of up in the air right now for some of these films because we haven't really seen some of the trailers. We don't even know when Asteroid City will be released in 2023. But in all things, and from what I've read, it seems like this may be a kind of 70s futuristic, maybe sci-fi take for Wes Anderson. And, and just having him kind of step into a different genre, I might say, is really exciting. I can't wait to see how he takes and kind of makes it his own style. And man, I just love someone who's just so dedicated to being an auteur and making films that are just completely in his style, whether you're tired of it or you think you've seen everything that he has to offer. I think Asteroid City is going to be something new and fresh, and I think it's going to be a a great film from Wes Anderson. Ben, tell me your number nine pick. Yeah, so my number nine pick is Creed 3. Seeing the trailers ready for that, uh, it looks awesome. It looks like in the same vein as the first two Creed movies, which I love. I love the Rocky series, all the movies, I love boxing films. So very excited for it. Uh, The one of the biggest notes for it is that Michael B. Jordan is directing it. So him getting his vision and it looks like it's the same vein uh, as all the previous ones, including Ryan Coogler's first Creed movie. So uh, I think this movie is going to be a hit pun intended. And uh, another thing I want to talk about is Jonathan majors uh, playing the villain in this movie. Uh, he's he's going to have a huge year. He's going to have a huge next couple of years. Uh, so definitely get used to his face and uh, just his popularity. Jonathan Majors is a name to look out for. What oh, do you ab- got at number nine? Absolutely. I think you're totally – that's a great pick for Creed Three. It, it didn't make my list. I don't know. I think that the Stallone kind of has kind of thrown some shots at it, not really too blatantly, but the fact that he's not in the third installment or what seems like he's not in it, pretty much I think it, that's confirmed. Uh, I'm curious what you think of that. Like, would you? What do you think of this being the third film, which could be like the final Creed film, and not bringing Rocky's character into the mix again? I think that's totally fine. Um, I think that it's 
it's nice that if you just cap this as like its own trilogy versus like the Rocky movies, which had what was it eight total, seven total? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we ended up getting two. So it's just like I think it's fine to cap it at this. Um, if they want to do another character, sure, but I don't think they need to. So cool if it's the trilogy. I think this is the perfect way to kind of cap it off. Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong, and I think you know it's nice to have this character kind of go off on his own and, and not need this other character i mean rocky is obviously the foundation of the franchise and we'll probably get more spinoffs after creed 3 from different characters but it's interesting i'm excited to see how he does behind the camera i think that's a really cool thing that he's doing and yeah jonathan majors is going to kill it in 2023 and he looks so so shredded in that trailer for creed 3 like insanely big Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, Michael B. Jordan has always looked great, but Jonathan Majors is just, he's big. He's definitely yeah. like 30 pounds heavier than Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. My number nine is a film by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary in Midsommar, and that is Bew is Afraid. And I think that's how you pronounce Bew. Bew. It might, I'm not, it might be Bo. Bo it is might, afraid? could be Bo is Afraid, yeah. <laughs> so we haven't seen a trailer. We don't even know when this is coming out, but Ari Aster has made some really, really compelling films, some really disturbing, dark films, and just he has such, such a style and authority for someone who's only made a couple films. And I think he did a really great job with the last couple of films that he's made, and I think they're really scary, really, really scary. I, mean, I think it's safe to say they're some of the scariest films that have probably been released in the past five uh, years, maybe even the last decade. And I'm excited to see what we're getting out of another film from Is. You know, we have a film that we don't know anything about, but it's making my top 10 list just based on that director, I think says a lot. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens. But Ben, tell me your number eight pick. So my number eight pick is Knock at the Cabin, the next M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, I know, John, you're excited for this one. Uh, I won't. I'll let you give all your wonderful takes on M. Night Shyamalan because I know you're a big fan of his. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited for this movie just based off the trailer alone. Got me really excited. I, so, I mean, this is like some kind of twist. This brought me back to the same vibes as uh, as Devil, you know, the one, the elevator and just like how crazy, you know, that trailer was and how anticipated it felt like for everyone to go see that. So that this movie is again, that same vibe for me. So it's going to be crazy. I'm sure it's going to be pretty wild and uh, this could be a big, you know, upswing for him and i think in terms of the mainstream audience yeah that's a great pick definitely a great pick and i have a film that didn't make your list (laughs) i know for a reason why it didn't make your list and that is scream six i talked about uh kind of uh, not including mission impossible for it being like the sixth or seventh film but i have scream six here and you said why why would you have the sixth film this weird meta you know, horror franchise that has kind of been spoofed and goofed on and it spoofed itself. And it's because Ghostface is going to New York City, baby. Ben lives in New York City. I used to live in New York City. I mean, I I love when horror franchises just decide to throw the, the main characters into the city, throw their, you know, iconic horror character into the city. So I'm really excited just based on that. Jenna Ortega who was in the Wednesday show on Netflix, has been blowing up. She's become this huge star basically overnight from that Wednesday Adams show. And she was in Scream 5. A lot of people don't know that. And she's becoming like our Scream queen for this generation. So I'm excited to see her come back. I'm excited to see this franchise go to New York City. And I just love Ghostface. You know, I, I think 
the Scream film that uh, Scream 5, I'll call it, even though it's just called Scream. I thought it was a really interesting take on the franchise. I think it kind of brought us up to modern times in terms of spoofing and making fun of modern day reboots and uh, these kind of sequels that are basically reboots as well. And I don't really know how Scream can top that in terms of commenting on the industry and commenting on the horror kind of franchises, but I think by going to New York City, by going down that rabbit hole of taking our character into a city during Halloween where we have a bunch of ghost face, like people dressing up as ghost face, you know, I think that's a great premise to kind of jump off and have a really scary film. That's just a great fun time. And that's exactly what I want from the Scream franchise. So moving on, Ben, tell me your seventh most anticipated film of 2023. Well, I do want to just comment because you, you know, said that like, Ben, there's a reason why Ben wouldn't want that on his top 10 and John <laughs> I want you to be a little surprised right now I saw the trailer for that movie and I was like that seems awesome yeah, yeah. Him, if, this, if this is like a chase through New York ghost you know ghost space is coming out to get me as they go through the subways and I'm in yeah so, that's a great idea I'm, right and they use like a I'm perfect t- little bit for that trailer, right? Just the subway yeah. scene and seeing all the different ghost faces on one train car. So cool. Yeah, because y- you don't know like what the movie is going to be. It seems like this fun kind of like maybe it's like a comedy type of thing coming. And then all of a sudden it just like the tension starts to build. It's a really good trailer. So um, got me interested, which is why trailers are there. But yes, moving on. Uh, my number seven uh, most anticipated movie of 2023 is Maestro, the Leonard Bernstein biopic directed by Bradley Cooper. I get not much is really known about it, but what more do you need to really say besides biopic about one of the best conductors in American, <laughs> you know, music history played by Bradley Cooper directed by Bradley Cooper. It's his first movie directed since a star is born. So it was coming. That's feels like a huge, like Oscar swing. So yeah, so very excited for that. Yeah. I don't think there's really much more to say besides that. No, I think that's a great pick. It didn't quite make my list, not for any particular reason. I'm very excited for it. I just, you know, I we've seen a lot of films. I think Tar this year, I've yet to see it, but I will see it before we do our top 10 of the year. I wonder with Tar coming out and this kind of being also about a maestro, whether that kind of people don't really care because people don't really seem to care about Tar in general. And I don't know, with it being Bradley Cooper and he's such a big star, yeah, I think we're going to get a bigger push behind it, uh, and it is a Netflix film too, as well. So we'll probably get that push as well. But no, well, I think what's interesting about that is that like Tar is like it, you're right; it's not as popular as it should be, especially for a movie that will most likely have the best actress winner in Kate Blanchett. Hope not. Um, as of right now, so. <laughs> but the with Maestro, I think it's the fact they're gonna you know you're gonna get West Side Story music, you're gonna get some other like well-known popular music in the film that people are going to like flock to it i think that's gonna be another huge reason why it most likely will do well it will definitely capture a big older audience too (laughs) like you're gonna get a lot of like old which is a great idea because bradley cooper moms love bradley cooper Um, you're not wrong but you know what moms do love what do they love Barbies. (laughs) Barbies. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> they probably hate Barbies from having to buy them over the years so many different times. But well, my number moms seven now who grew up with Barbie. Love exactly. Them. Love Barbies. Mm, you're thinking you're thinking inside the box. Here, Big boy. brain outside the box. Yeah. Uh, so my number seven is Barbie 
uh, coming from Greta Gerwig on July 21st. I mean, what is there to say? It's a movie about Barbie. It's the first time we've ever done this. How this didn't happen in like the 90s or the 80s, I have no clue. But there's been a lot of reports behind the scenes about how great this script is. I've seen someone even call it like the best script they've ever written or they've ever read. Like that's insane to say about a Barbie movie. A movie that's literally just called Barbie, too. Uh, And I think it's going to honor not only just Barbie as a character, but honor the different, like, diverse nature of what Barbie has become. Like, Barbie is seen across the world as so many different dolls, but we kind of still just all call it Barbie. Like, that's the Barbie doll. And we've kind of established that. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see just how they take it and how Greta Gerwig, who's probably directing a movie that's like 10 times the budget of her last film and with Lady Bird. And I think this is like an exciting follow-up. I think it's going to be really big across the board with, with people that are younger, people that are older. I'm really curious to see the kind of humor, like how dark are we getting? How like, is this, will this push PG 13 or will this be rated R? I think that's the kind of like last kind of little bit of information I need from this film we've only gotten a teaser but even the teaser I thought was really really great and really engrossing so I can't wait for Barbie man it's such a weird idea for a film but so is the Lego movie and the Lego movie is like one of the best animated films of all time it's so great so can't wait for Barbie on July 21st yeah I mean this movie has a hundred million dollar budget and Gerwig's actually her last movie is Little Women uh, and that That's was right. a budget of, of 40 million. So like, yeah, she's getting the reins through a huge thing and I hope it does well. I mean, that'd be great if that movie, like again, having like big movies, everybody go to the theater, see movies succeed, especially after all the Margot Robbie hate recently because of Babylon. And I know what Amsterdam from earlier, like saying like, Oh, well, she bombed a bunch of movies this year, which, uh, Babylon did not deserve that kind of criticism. Amsterdam no, not probably. At all. Yeah. And Barbie's not bombing. Not a chance. I think no, there's no kill. way. Yeah. But moving on to number six, I have Napoleon in my top 10. So I'm excited for this movie. Uh, not much is known about the movie, but it's going to be some pretty epic battles. I think it's going to be a great character study. Uh, you know, imagine like Joaquin Phoenix just like tearing someone apart, like verbally, you know, as Napoleon, like going after them and, uh, probably being ruthless, but it's probably going to be v- very well acted. Um, the unfortunate part, and like looking at some of the other movies we've talked about, like, they're just coming out on streaming platforms, and it's like I wish some of these movies were coming out in theaters. Like, I hope Napoleon ends up in the theater, like on a big screen, because that's probably gonna be crazy. Especially when you think about like one of the bigger, like earlier, uh, you know, Hollywood films, like in the twenty, like the nineteen twenty six version of Napoleon, that was like five and a half hours long. So it's, uh, you know, it'd be great if, like, you can have that kind of experience. Not a five-hour-long movie, but just, like, a big epic film and kind of hearkening back to, like, 100 years of cinema of uh, how often a big movie comes out like that. So very excited for Napoleon and uh, looking forward to it. But, John, what's your number six movie? Well, I don't have Napoleon on my list, so i got to talk about that. And and I think we spoke a little bit about Napoleon before this and the fact that we have 85-year-old Ridley Scott, whom this may be his last film, with Phoenix as the lead of Napoleon. And I think Ridley Scott has wanted to make this film for like almost his whole career. I think as soon as he became like a pretty well-known director, he's been wanting to make this Napoleon film. I think the Napoleon film even goes back to like Kubrick. I think Kubrick even wanted to make a Napoleon film, and he never got yeah, to. Yeah, I think he did too. Yeah. So I think this is a big deal just for 
film in general the fact that we're going to be able to finally get to this point and finally get to release this film about a character who's in a person who's just very he has a lot of different opinions on napoleon you know there's a lot of good to say and a lot of awful things to say about napoleon which makes a really fascinating film character my big question is though is like is phoenix gonna perform napoleon just on his knees for the whole time you know to get the height right he's gonna just perform the whole movie just on his knees you know putting the shoes <laughs> on, on <Maybe>. his knees <laughs> i mean my question is is this, is it going to top the napoleon from bill and ted's excellent adventure <laughs> no because that that's the standard that's that's no napoleon you want <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the napoleon i want and this that's not my napoleon <laughs> can you imagine that napoleon and ridley scott's napoleon <laughs> Everything else is the same, like same production. Everything quality, else is the same. same budget, just replaced exactly. <laughs> <Phoenix of> that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and oh then put Joaquin Phoenix and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of time travel, my number six is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Which shame upon you for not including this on your top ten films. I am most anticipated say. for. Uh, I'm so excited for Indiana Jones. Obviously, it's the fifth in this franchise. I have no idea how old Harrison Ford is, but he's definitely in his 80s. I think that's that's for sure. And he is so old to be playing this character. And even when we have the digital technology that we've kind of advanced to de-age people, it's going to be cool to see that, to see old Harrison Ford kind of be transformed to what he looked like in his 30s and 40s. Whether it'll look perfect, I don't think we've ever really seen you know, a perfect de-aging really done yet. I think it's kind of gotten close to almost being unrecognizable, but I just love Indiana Jones as a franchise, as a character. It's so hard even to be, you know, looking back at Crystal's Kingdom of a Crystal Skull and, and seeing how just messy that film was visually and just how messy of a story it was. It's hard not to like have some some trepidation of whether Indiana Jones is really going to come back and end in a proper way. But I really got to believe with James Mangold behind it, that we're really going to get something that has a lot of heart, has great action, and it's a great send off for Indiana Jones. Uh, And Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny comes out on June 30th. I can't freaking wait for this movie. I'm so excited to see Harrison Ford back. But Ben, tell me why it didn't make your top 10. What the hell? I think that my my issue and i know i have creed 3 on here i know i have a spider-man movie on here kind of tired of the big franchise so as cool as indiana jones the dial of destiny is probably going to be it's not like something that i'm like oh my god i can't wait it's very much like okay i'll see when it comes out but i'm not very looking forward to it but i'm going to be inundated with trailers throughout the year um so probably the week of i'll be like yeah let's go you know very excited for it but just uh i'm sorry man i i know we love this movie with the movies the franchise i'm not trying to you know disparage it but i'm kind of just like all right indiana jones i got another one cool oh man how you how are you gonna say that about a movie that like you're acting like this is like a marvel movie where they come out every year or every other year are you kidding me i i kidding me no it's just like I, i just want like like what's the dial destiny? <laughs> Tell me what that is. Well, like was uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm I'm assuming well, dial I mean, of we're destiny. Just theorizing. 
we're theorizing right now. Yes, Unless you destiny know the- changing. I don't know anything specific, but I've heard people talking about it. The fact that they're showing him de-aged means that there's most likely time travel involved. Like, we're not just getting flashbacks of him. I mean, maybe it's just flashbacks. But to me, Dial of Destiny seems like you're a dial to change your destiny, which is time travel. I mean, that's just with the, exactly the way it kind of is described okay. and sounds to me. But... I mean, we're talking about a movie, a franchise that the last film came out 14 years ago, and that movie has been panned critically, did pretty well in the box office, but we need a better finish for Indiana Jones, and we need a better send-off. It should have ended at the third film, but you gotta you got to open your mind up a little more for, for no, Indy to come back. See, come now, now I just want to criticize it a little bit more, and we're, we're oh my I'm, God. I'm doing this. So oh my God. it just does not feel, and that, I think that was the issue with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and maybe Crimson of the Crystal Skull does a little bit better if it, this is the premise. But Indiana Jones is not like a sci-fi thing. It's very much like like almost fantasy. There's some religion that like exists, which is not which is totally not sci-fi, which was why like something like a, a dial that he finds like in the world controls time travel. Like what does that mean? Well, how they use it, I think, is definitely going to be up in the air if that's really what it is about. And, I mean, Indiana Jones is action-adventure first and foremost, but there's always elements of science fiction involved with it. Like you said, whether it's, you know, the the Covenant or, and uh, the Stones, I'm forgetting what they're called, in, in Temple of Doom. Um, and in The Last Crusade, I mean, they're all, like, kind of religious elements, but there's also, like an aspect of science fiction to them, whether it's, you know, the way they all get murdered by the covenant or with the way like people get their hearts ripped out in the second film and the way but is that, that science fiction. I mean, you know? it, it's something that I, now, now, now we're just arguing semantics right now, but I, I think it would be science fiction because it's something that you wouldn't see in your day to day. It's like, it's fantasy in a way that I don't think all action adventure films are. So you're right though, whether they overuse it and it's just constantly hopping around, like it's an MCU, like infinity war yeah. kind of film. Like I don't want that, but if they do it in a way that it's like fits in well with the plot and we get like moments of this character to kind of end this character, like cinema journey over 50 years. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's just my thing. It's like, it's not that the MCU part of it, it's the, the original thought and the fact that it's just like okay well now Indiana Jones is going to deal with time travel but how many time travel movies have we had recently so it feels like if they did something that was like that was more ancient civilization that was more of in the veins of the earlier movies because I think that was the problem with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is like it gets way too sci-fi and it's like this feels like it, it doesn't feel like the same vein as like you know him you know being chased by the boulder and you know I feel it's just like a man-made like boob you know, booby trap type of thing. Yeah. I don't We're think getting you're way wrong. too deep. <laughs> no, no, I think th- this is a good conversation because I don't think you're yeah. wrong. I think there's definitely, it's why it's not higher up on my list. It's why it's number six and not, yeah. you know, in my top five because I do have some trepidations with it. I'm kind of nervous about whether the de-aging would be good, whether the time travel aspect is really what's going to happen in the plot. We'll find out, but man, I just got to have Indy on the list because he's one of my favorite film characters of all time. I love Harrison Ford. I don't think you're going to get too much more of Harrison Ford because this man just refuses to not crash planes. But um, <laughs> Does Shia LaBeouf show up in this movie? <laughs> no, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ben, let's move on to number five. Tell me your fifth most anticipated film of 2023. Well, I feel like we should do this together because we <laughs> both have... 
Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I'm very excited for this movie. Scorsese, I mean, it's Scorsese, so that's in of itself is like very excited for that. And mm-hmm. then just the actors that he has in that movie, the fact that he's doing, he's bringing DiCaprio and De Niro together, two of his biggest collaborators in terms of actors and in, in his most successful work, coming back to be part of a Scorsese movie, coming together to be a part of it. It's a Western, I think. Like it's some like in Oklahoma, it takes place in Oklahoma. There's a bunch of murders in the twenties, so it's like I I can't like I'm just like, so excited for that. It feels like new territory for Scorsese to tackle. Like how like how much influence like John Ford influences are going to be in this movie? It's probably going to be yeah. a ton of that. It probably it's going to be huge shots and just crazy landscape. It's going to be really good. I'm very excited for it. Um, so that's my. Uh, number five movie but John tell me why you're excited for uh, Killers of the Flower Moon well I think you really hit it on on everything really I mean Scorsese and DiCaprio just alone what an amazing combination Uh, whether we're like really leaning into the western aspect of it maybe it's kind of a westerny kind of detective film almost in a way I know this is based off of a very popular book about this kind of serial killer that I'm pretty sure it takes place on the uh, like a native american like reserve or like i'm not sure if that's correct or not but it sounds like it does sound like new territory it sounds like an interesting story for scorsese and it's kind of that darker side of scorsese you think that we might see which is nice because just like napoleon ridley scott's napoleon this may be one of the last films from scorsese and i know that's hard to hear and it's hard to say out loud but i think we have to honor that and if you don't have killers of the flower moon on your most anticipated film list of 2023 you're definitely doing something wrong because it's Scorsese the man it doesn't miss he just doesn't miss he makes some of the most iconic films of all time especially when you look at American cinema in particular but Ben let's move on to number four tell me what your number four pick is so my number four is uh one you mentioned number nine which is Bo is Afraid the next uh, Ari Aster movie and I really don't think I need to say much besides just Ari Aster. I mean, if you know me personally, I probably talked about Hereditary and Midsummer and just how much I love those movies. How, like, Hereditary is one of the best movies to come, like, to me, in the 2000s, one of the best movies to come out. Uh, it is, I'm not going to say he's Hitchcock, but, like, his movies feel very Hitchcockian, very, you know, modern day Hitchcockian. It, it's so intense. You don't know what's going to happen. It, it's so surreal. It seems like it actually is very real. It could very well happen with some of this stuff. Uh, it just such a great like director and storyteller. And so, yeah, don't need to like tell me more besides the coming out of the movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Nathan Lane's in this movie. Like we're not even talking about that. That Nathan Lane is going to be <laughs> in, a, in an that. Ari Aster movie. Yeah, like the, the, it's going to be pretty unreal. And like the poster that's come out for Bo is Afraid is pretty disturbing uh, like it just seems so like it's unsettling to look at um so yeah don't i don't need to say much more besides that ari aster new movie let's go yeah um he makes pretty disturbing films and i'm just curious to see like if this is a straight horror film or not i mean with afraid in the title it's like yeah maybe you would kind of expect it to be but maybe it's not and it seems like we're gonna see phoenix's character in the film kind of go throughout history like you see him as a young kid and see maybe what he's experiencing maybe it's a ghost story maybe 
it's gonna be very psychological i think that's the thing and that's where like yeah. the hitchcock thing comes in for me is like how psychological it actually gets of being very subtle throughout mm-hmm. through, for most of the movie um so yeah it's gonna it's it's probably gonna be freaky it's probably gonna be tense it's probably not gonna be like you know midsummer when she's like tripping kind of like shit but <laughs> it's gonna be pretty intense yeah i'm very excited my number four most anticipated film of 2023 is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was phenomenal. I was just blown away by that film. The animation alone and making it kind of look like stop action almost and the choppy kind of look it had worked so well. It was a risk that they took and it also just told the Spider-Man story that we just don't get enough of with Miles Morales in the center of it telling a story about a black Puerto Rican, which we just do not have enough representation of. Puerto Ricans are a huge part of New York City, and they almost never get represented. Or if they do, it's it's improperly represented. So I think just purely based on some of those elements, and then when you blow it up and you expand it into a sequel like this, and the bit of a trailer that we've got so far shows what looks to be hundreds, if not thousands, of Spider-Man on screen at once. I think the only concern for this film for me is, is it too much? Are we going to get too much Spider-Man, you know? Is it going to be too overwhelming of like a visual visual experience where we can't even take in the story properly because there's so much happening on screen? What? So I don't think the so. proper amount is three Spider-Man? <laughs> well, I think even if you look at Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the first film, we have like six Spider-Men, I think, yeah. in total, in terms of like the main characters, and and I thought that even was going to be too much, but I think they did a good job like balancing them and showing their goofy backstory in a fun, kind of quick way. So yeah, it's, I would say, in terms of like Spider-Man that we're going to care about, it's probably like five more, but you're, there's going to definitely be a shot of like a thousand Spider-Men in some point. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's going to be just amazing visually alone, whether they can kind of top the story that we got in the last film, which was really personal and a really kind of have tons of different twists and turns and all these fun characters. I just can't wait for this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I, and the, the fact that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse also didn't do that well in the box office when it came out. And it just was kind of like a slow burn until it eventually won an Oscar like it's incredible it's such a great journey to see that film go on and we're getting a sequel now that they also push back and delayed so I hope that's a good sign in terms of working on it making sure it's just as good if not better than the original I cannot wait for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse coming June 2nd Ben what is your third most anticipated film my third most anticipated film is Oppenheimer the next Christopher Nolan movie this movie is hyping itself up without anybody else needing to hype it up. They are really pushing this movie as some sort of spectacle. This, the, like, they're deliberately showing like the trailers the way they are, like, like this hardcore because they think this movie is going to be huge. They want people to go to the movies to see it. Obviously, Nolan is never going to let this movie stream anywhere. They're expecting big things for this movie, and the cast list alone, the amount of people that. Uh, just like well-known people people who maybe aren't like your typical celebrities but the fact that they're in this movie like the amount of them is astounding so there's some crazy story that nolan has to have lined up for it i i can't imagine how long this movie is going to be too i mean to fit all <laughs> like the i like i don't even know what kind of storyline it's going to be like just watching the movie it feels like there's going to be a ton of 
like multiple storylines going on. It seems like there's going to be some court, you know, storyline somewhere where he's in the future. Something about it probably is growing up, actually building the the bomb. So it's like it's going to be pretty wild. Uh, I'm excited to see this. I'm going to see this. I will be there opening night at the AMC Lincoln Square at that three-story tall IMAX. I am not going to go anywhere else but see that movie there. I cannot wait for Oppenheimer. That's a great choice. My number three for top anticipated films of 2023 is Knock at the Cabin, coming in February 3rd from M. Night Shyamalan. I love M. Night. He is amazing. I've met him in person. He was a sweet guy when I met him. And I just love him as a filmmaker. I mean, Unbreakable is one of my favorite films of all time. It always makes my top five list. And I just love the work that he's doing. I mean, I even old, well, it's not a perfect film. It has some flaws, I think. But it's still a kick-ass film. It's scary. It's creepy. I'm invested in these characters. It's tragic to see them kind of grow old in that creepy way that that film does. And I was very impressed that this guy is still keeping up with his film career he's he's making really interesting visuals he's telling stories that are perfect for him you know bread and butter and i think knock at the cabin where we have dave batista the best wrestling turn actor according to ryan johnson this week uh i love dave batista and he's getting a bigger role in this film and just the pure premise of a family going and staying at a cabin for the weekend and four mysterious people coming, breaking into the cabin and telling them that they need to make a world-altering decision. Well, you know, and it's based off a short story called, like, Knock at the Cabin at the End of the World or something like that, something along those lines. And it sounds like it's going to get crazy, weird sci-fi. And, and I love that they're building up this film based on that question of, like, what do these what does this family have to do uh i'm really excited i mean it's a it's a really great looking visually film he loves these deep focus kind of shots of this young girl wandering the forest it it looks like it's going to be not only visually awesome but it's going to get even crazier as the film goes i think we're going to go in some crazy weird psychological and and science fiction kind of route and i can't wait to see how that movie unfolds and with Dave Bautista almost in the center of it, I, I really can't not include it in my top three. But let's move on to the second most anticipated film of 2023. So my number two film is Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie, which you talked about earlier as your number 10. Uh, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. I Ben, are you ready for your most anticipated film of 2023? One of those early directors I saw I love his style i love the cast he always brings on i mean he's just always created films that i found to be visually stimulating the way that he uses the camera and just an absolute like master at his craft and uh you know does not get as much oscar love as he probably deserves which isn't you know so frustrating for me uh just because his last movie was so great um so i'm excited for this one and uh, I just think the cast alone is pretty great. I mean, it has pretty much all of his stars plus like new ones coming on board. So Wes Anderson, I'm in. Don't need to tell me more about it. Ben's number three is my number two, and that's Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer coming on July 21st. I think right away, just looking at that date too, it's fascinating. We have this biopic about the person who invented the nuclear bomb coming in July 21st. Like you're talking mid summer, 
yep. peak box office. I'm sure there's another MCU movie that's like right around that release date. And Oppenheimer is going to do so well. It, it doesn't even matter. Just the fact that they're kind of billing it almost as like this big box office film of the summer is is pretty funny to me. Just what's so interesting about Oppenheimer is that no one which I feel like happens with a lot of really great and fine directors as they get older, they just want a challenge. You know, I think we see that with James Cameron, the way of the water and kind of pushing himself into doing something that takes place all underwater for the most part. It's a challenge for these filmmakers because I think they get to a point where like making a standard film, something that's just, you know, no great challenges are really seen in a film that's kind of boring to them at this point. I think they can do it like with their eyes closed, especially someone like Nolan. But what's so interesting is Nolan is kind of like become more hyper obsessed with editing and creating these like three ongoing planes of action. And I think he's always done that in his career where people look at some of his films, even the Dark Knight trilogy, where he loves cutting in between three different scenes where like three different scenes will be happening at once. And he's like simultaneously cutting between all of them. And I think that hit like a peak with Dunkirk where that whole film was like that. Like the entire conception of that film is cutting between three different planes of action. And then Tenet, his follow-up to that was just an experiment on like filmmaking in a way. You know, being able to film something backwards while characters are moving forwards. All of it feels like a technical challenge more so than it does an actual story. And I think Oppenheimer is going to be like that as well. I think it's going to be like Dunkirk where we're getting multiple scenes, different timelines in terms of, you know, when maybe Oppenheimer was younger, maybe when he's older, after the war happens. It looks like the film is in black and white and it's in color. It's shot entirely on IMAX. I think they even built IMAX cameras to shoot black and white film for the first time ever for this movie. So, man, I mean, what else is there to say? We're, we're seeing this guy recreate what the nuclear bomb looked like to record on IMAX. Like this dude's a madman. He's insane. Christopher Nolan can do whatever he wants. And I love that he's making a movie about Oppenheimer. It's going to be weird and psychologically disturbing. And I can't freaking wait to watch my eyes melt from that nuclear explosion. Ben, are you ready for your most anticipated film of 2023? So, <laughs> my most anticipated film. There's a lot of movies to choose from. A lot of uh, thought went into this. And anticipation. <laughs> letting it, you know. Most anticipated film of 2023 is Dune Part 2. I think this movie is going to be ungodly good. I think that this movie is going to reach like that nexus level of popularity and Oscar love. And I think where there's going to be a few movies that have that chance, but I think this is going to be the one that really connects it. If you look back at the first Dune movie and the amount of technical awards that movie won, and honestly how uh, you know they should have won more, shows that like maybe the Oscars are thinking about this movie as like oh there's going to be more of this and it's going to be really good and just knowing how the story like really develops like I'm glad they're doing a second one I don't I don't think there's going to be a third one if they do it right if they you know kind of condense some of the parts but I think it's going to be pretty actiony it's going to be some great drama it's going to be a lot of stuff happening it's visually going to look insane um, so maybe it's not going to get to the box office level as Oppenheimer but it's definitely going to get a lot of 
you know, for a November release, it's it's the perfect time to come out. It's going to be playing, you know, this time next year, it's going to be playing for like three months straight in like theaters on huge screens. So very excited for Dune Part 2. I think that's a great choice. I knew you were going to include that on my top 10, so I didn't didn't include that on mine. Yeah, you yeah, didn't put that in yours. <laughs> and that's why I started laughing right away when I passed it to you, because both you and I have a film that is not on each other's list and they're so drastically different in terms of the films that they are. And I am yeah. really excited for Dune part two. I mean, Dune was a visual feast and auditory feast. It, that movie was like incredible. It, it's so, it's so incredible that it, it's still kind of astonishing how they did it. Um, but for me, it's, it's comes down to the kind of the story and the way we kind of left off with Dune and it, it didn't really feel like a complete, film to me and I don't think that's like a total criticism I think when you see part one and part two together I don't really think I'll feel that way at the end of the day I think it'll probably come together and feel like one long kind of epic journey so I didn't really include it because I knew you were going to include it I am so excited for it it's going to be a great time hopefully we can see it together on the the biggest screen possible oh yeah and I am super excited for Dune part two but my most anticipated film (laughs) <laughs> of 2023 is the flash baby and so many people are gonna be like why this doesn't make any sense especially after we have james gunn coming in he's in control of this new dc universe he's basically sounds like he's gonna reboot everything the flash is a part of this old dc eu and why should you be excited well a good movie is a good movie. Who cares if it's in a universe? Who cares if there's a follow-up to it? Whether The Flash coming out on June 23rd will be a great movie, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But it's going to be a fun time. I think with Michael Keaton coming back as Batman, I think that'll be a huge sell. In fact, I think there might even be a possibility that they don't even call this movie The Flash, or they don't even call this movie The Flash. They call it like Batman and The Flash or something like that, or even just batman flashpoint or something along that line because ezra miller as a person outside of this film is very troubled constantly in the news constantly getting in trouble with the law i think there's a lot of elements to this film that just makes me so curious like how is he as the flash like we've seen him in scenes from justice league and he's been pretty good as the flash he's had some interesting uh choices as the characters kind of like evolved and developed and i thought he was great in Zack snyder's justice league but how is he going to hold a film on his own? And I think it's he goes by they, so apologies if I'm not getting his pronouns correct. But Ezra Miller is a fascinating person. And it's a messy, messy territory to be in a movie that's $300 million that's carrying this DC universe. And we also have Michael Keating returning as Batman. Like, how how does any of this work? Will anyone even care after they're now, like, going to redo and reboot this whole universe? I don't know. I think all of these weird elements to this film have made me even, like, more excited. Because how do they market this film? How does this film come out and they don't address all the crazy things that Ezra Miller has gotten into? There's just so much to this movie. And... I want a Flash movie that's great. So I I love the character. I love DC. I love Batman. So it's up there for a lot of those reasons as well. I can't wait for The Flash on June 23rd. But Ben, tell me what you think about The Flash and why it didn't make your top 10. Uh, Yeah, just uh, (laughs) I'm not a DC uh, DCEU guy. 
Uh, I think what's going on with DC is just in terms of being shut down now, being rebooted is just awful. This is it's like why even bother restarting? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, like no, like everyone knows that like how DC has performed versus the Marvel movies, they've just completely fumbled the bag every single time. So just like I'm, I'll see it probably if it's gonna be more of a Batman type of movie then i i really don't know much about it but yeah just mm-hmm. all the offset issues just it just doesn't make it that appealing and there's kind of a nightmare just dealing with it and again like the way because it's been pushed back and i just like so many weird things have been happening with all the dc movies just i like anticipated like in the intrigue of it but as a movie itself i don't know how good it's really gonna be yeah i, I kind of feel the same way i mean the interesting thing is that people have reported that that they've seen it and some people have reported from screenings that it's actually pretty great and the audience reaction from it is actually that it's pretty great and the the most recent i think kind of conversation about this film is that it's going to be they're going to be showing a trailer at the super bowl for the flash so this is already like a 300 dollars million film the budgeting that they have for the marketing is going to be huge as well if they're going to spend the money to put this in front of the super bowl like they're not hiding this film. They're. I just. I'm so curious, like you said, about how they'll market this, how they'll show Ezra Miller, how much they will show Ezra Miller, and will they show them at all? Like, it's just so fascinating to think about, like where this could go. And then in terms of a movie, I, I actually love Flashpoint as a story. It's it's a really interesting like else world story and, and it could be a cool way to kind of wrap up this world if they are going to kind of destroy it and restart over with everything uh, which i am very excited about with james gunn behind it it's just like too enticing to not not put it up there it's just one of those movies where it's like it's not even like the film that i'm even that excited for i'm very excited to see how it kind of it does as a film all the fun cameos and easter eggs they'll have included in it it's more so just the leading up how the audience even reacts to right. this movie. Like, will people even, how many people will go see this movie and not know anything that all the stories from Ezra Miller in the news, like, will that make a difference? Will this movie do well? Like, there's so many questions that make me just excited for June yeah. 23rd when the flash comes out. Yeah. I, I think you're totally right with there with that. Uh, you know, it, it will be, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Uh, but also what matters is the movie itself. So, uh, it's definitely a movie that I, again, like I'm intrigued by, but it's not my top 10, but, uh, what does it really matter? What, how our list comes out? There's a lot of great movies to come out. A lot of movies we didn't mention. There's probably a lot of movies that are just not on our radar that are probably going to be incredible films, which is the beautiful thing about, going to the movies and experiencing different films and parts of cinema. But I want to ask one last question to you, John, uh, before we sign off. Uh, so as an Oscars podcast, talking about best picture winners is the best picture winner. A movie we talked about, uh, on this episode of worthy. Did we cover it in our top 10? How many of them do you think a lot of these movies are going to be nominated for best picture or are we just completely missing the mark? Well, Unfortunately, I think the best picture is not on our top 10 here because it's it's Elizabeth Banks cocaine bear. So <laughs> I truly think cocaine bear will win best actor for the bear, Mr. Cocaine yes. or Mr. Bear, as they may call him. Um, and yeah, best picture as well for cocaine bear. No, yeah. I mean, 
it's it's really hard to say. I think you look at like the big names, like David Fincher making a film about a killer played by Michael Fassbender. Like right away, you kind of put in the dots, and you're like, okay, maybe best best actor nomination there. Maybe that movie's great that it gets nominated for best picture. Uh, Taika Waititi has won uh, best screenplay, I think, or adapted screenplay for yeah uh, previously. So I mean, we have that next goal wins by Taika Waititi. Whether that is more dramatic or it's more comedy we'll find out when we see more about that i think napoleon is going to be a huge push i mean how could that not be a big push for best picture and best actor alone right that has to be a big push for sure uh lanthimos with poor things i think that'll be a contender he's always had really great work with actors and actresses so they usually if you're in a lanthimos film you're getting nominated for your performance and he's just a great storyteller. It's going to be really interesting to see what that film is. Uh, obviously, we have Bradley Cooper. He said he just come. He's coming back from in a previous big awards film. So Maestro might be another contender there. But I don't know, man. It's it's really hard to say. If I really had to take a guess, it's hard not to just lean on like the big names, like the Ridley Scott and Napoleon, the Killers of the Flower Moon by Scorsese. So if I were to like just guess right now based on some of the films that we've talked about, I would probably say Napoleon, even though it may be like a little too focused in terms of it being about just this one man and he's kind of troubled to say the least. So, man, it's it's really hard. But Ben, what do you think? It's interesting you didn't say Oppenheimer as one of your movies because that's a movie that I think is – I think that and Dune Part 2 have the same – the first avatar movie potential in terms of getting oscar love and awards and everyone being like and could they win the oscar obviously you know this is way too early but it's just like the sense that i get from looking at those movies the type of movies they seem to be i think killers of flower moon is going to be nominated uh i think scorsese is probably gonna again like everyone loves his movies big actors it'll be an interesting storyline I don't think that our best picture winner has been mentioned. I could be wrong, but I think that these movies are won't. I feel like there'll be some movie that comes out that will feel more like, okay, that's what a best picture movie is. Like that feels more in line with others that have won before. Uh, but, but just because some of these movies seem really big or just maybe too dark in terms yeah. of their, of, of what they're showing representing. I think you made a really good point about Oppenheimer. The the reason why I didn't really say that for best picture, I feel like you could almost guess that he will win best actor unless Napoleon is like incredible and Phoenix takes it, but he's already won. But I, I could just see Oppenheimer being like the main push would be best actor just because it's like that biopic. It's kind of a lead performance that it's going to be really central to the film. He'll probably be in most of the scenes, uh, Killian Murphy. So I think he'll have a good chance of best actor. Uh, my question, though, since you were saying it could have potential for Best Picture, I just don't think we've really seen like a biopic get close to Best Picture in a while. Like, I, I you definitely can't call Green Book a biopic. Maybe you could even go back to like the King's Speech and call that a biopic, even though it's about like a very specific point in time uh, for th- that person's life. But I, I just don't really think we've had like a biopic really in, in a long time that won Best Picture. So I wonder if that gets in the way with it. But it doesn't seem like your stereotypical biopic, so it's hard to say. Yeah, I think we would have to go back. Maybe even Gandhi? Yeah, I think Gandhi would probably be the last one. and Maybe even like Braveheart, 95. Uh, and, you know, there's those like weird 
movies that's like it's about this one person but it's like do you call this a biopic or not so i don't know whether that holds it back or not we'll see but i think that's a good choice too but i think you're right i think we're where you don't know you know and obviously we don't know but we don't know because i don't think we've seen the film yet we haven't really even seen any marketing for this film yet i think this may be another smaller film that kind of comes out of nowhere and yeah i'm excited to talk about the the oscar race for this past year in 2022 and ben and i will be back we'll definitely do a top 10 of our films from 2022 uh, but we wanted to just do a little uh jump and and look forward into 2023 before we give you that top 10 for 2022 so ben is there any any last things you want to kind of hit on or mention or anything you want to say to our audience here? No, just very excited for a lot of movies, excited for the Oscar race, and go to the theaters. See movies in theaters. Yes, please. That's important. See whatever movie you want. Pay with your with your money. You know That's what really matters is you're going out there, you're experiencing the film in the theater with other people. So thank you for saying that, Ben. Thank you for joining me. I am joining Ben. Us. Thank you. And I am John. Well... <laughs> I was going to say thank you for joining me and then I was going to outro it in you know what I was trying I I was talking to you and I said thank you for joining me but yes thank you Ben thanks for thanks for joining us together and thank you Ben for joining me <laughs> Thanks for listening guys and, and this, this is, is worthy. worthy Thanks for listening to Worthy the breakdown of every best picture winner from past to present listen to us wherever you get your podcasts check us out on Instagram at worthy podcast on Twitter at Worthy Pod and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to Worthy Submissions at gmail.com. That's Worthy Submissions at gmail.com.